0: Buzzwords quickly get diluted because by their nature, they're overused and often used out of context. The mere mention of certain words can agitate someone and and for me, digital transformation is one of those words, misused and totally misunderstood. This is Bobby and welcome to another episode of the IT Contractors podcast. This is a show where I share authentic stories covering almost two decades of hard-learned lessons. I take you from my grassroots of being a systems engineer straight into the boardroom with messages that are agnostic, allowing you to apply those to your professions, your business, and even your personal lives. In my last episode, I provided an insight into the history of the digital transformation. And today, I want to look at this from a different angle. There's an immense amount of, of pressure being applied by advisory groups, integrators, and software companies for for organizations to accelerate their digital transformation journey. And, and the cloud is becoming a vehicle for that because it markets well, and it's a high-margin business. Large cloud providers can put sufficient weight behind that message. I recently wrote a couple of war stories about some of the challenges of moving mission-critical ERP systems into the cloud, and, and I even explored why you would exit the cloud, and, and how you would create a strategy to support that or even avoid it. If you haven't read those posts, I'll put a link in today's show notes. When it comes to marketing pressure, there's also another dimension at play. Nothing catalyzes people or business into action better than promoting fear. And and there's this interesting psychology that's being applied with, with a lot of the messaging. And it's it's based around this notion that if you don't adopt the cloud and these new technologies, such as AI and machine learning, then, then your business is going to get outpaced by its competition. Over the next two episodes, I want to challenge this and look at how two very different companies have, have responded to their market being digitised around them. One has had the rug pulled from underneath it and, and the other has always intentionally stayed behind the curve and both are leaders in their market and and the exam question that I want to explore is are all digital transformations created equally either within a sector or across sectors? And I don't believe they are, but the marketing hype doesn't really give us that view. This is part 1 of a two-part episode, and and today I'm going to take you on a tour of the bookstore and and explain how the Bricks and Mortar Bookstore didn't actually have to change much to challenge the digitization that Amazon brought to the market. There's a misconception that Amazon killed the bookstore. Well, it certainly inflicted a wound to the traditional bricks and mortar business model of the bookstore. But how that industry responded is actually really interesting. Now we know Amazon lead the market when it comes to digital content audiobooks, reading devices such as the Kindle give us this immense portability of of an enormous volume of content on the go. We think they give us access to a wider variety of books, but I don't think that's entirely true. Amazon's initial invasion of the market was supported by using a different vehicle to sell those books, online shopping, e-commerce. But they also deployed a strategy of undercutting prices even to the extent they were making a loss on whole volumes and libraries of books. And this certainly damaged the traditional business model of the independent bookstore, but it allowed them to absorb a huge portion of the market. But the traditional bookstore model soon recovered, and it didn't have to change much to do so. And there's a really good reason for that, because it actually comes down to the fact they focused on the customer experience, the people. And I constantly talk about people and process when it comes to transformation, because people and process underpin a good business transformation. I have this affiliation, you could say, towards small independent bookstores. And you find them in every town, every city, little nooks where you can source rare editions of books that you, you just can't source online. But there's also this buying experience that you can't experience online. And it's that buying experience that that big chains such as Waterstones or Barnes & Noble in the States effectively put back into their bookstores. That's how they challenge digitization of the market, not solely by focusing on technology. And let me explain. There's an emotional connection that you get when, when you search that bookshelf and something immediately gets your attention. And then you, you slide that secondhand book off, off the shelf, probably for the first time in years. And as, as soon as you open the book, there's a musky smell that immediately hits you. But for me, it's the inscription. There's either an owner's name, a year, or even a message to the owner, because, because books are often given as, as gifts. And it's only at that moment that your relationship with that book starts. You're not just buying the story within the book. You're buying the story of that physical book itself. And and for me, and I suspect others, that's all part of the overall buying experience. That's an experience you can't digitize. And that's exactly part of the buying experience that avid readers are looking for. They want to hold books. They want to search them. They want to smell them. And they want to connect with that physical book. And and to do that, they need to feel the energy of, of the bookstore like-minded people searching for books and sales assistants that read and know books supporting that overall buying experience. And I always say it comes back to people and process. And transformations are always about putting people and process first. The ironic thing is, it's, it's those principles from the independent bookstore that those big chains put back in their stores and it was those independent bookstores that felt most of the impact by that invasion of, of amazon on the market and if i just reflect back at that shop floor again that focus of people was really important so they reinvented the the shop floor how people navigate that shop floor and how they search for books and and I've seen it myself when you when you slide that book over to the sales assistant to, to purchase it. Um, they they'll provide a recommendation either about the book or, or anything else that you might find interesting. And like I say, you can't digitize that experience. And I and I remember actually um, I worked at a global publishing house um, a few years back on a tech project, and they they used to have authors doing book signings in, in the main reception of, of the office building. And, and that was quite a surreal um, experience. So I'd walk in in the morning with my cup of coffee and you just pick up a book, something that you might be interested in and get the author to sign it and walk away with a book. And you didn't even have to pay for it. But the interesting thing was that you, you were in this environment of creative people and there's that buzz that technology can't necessarily replicate. Of course those big bookstores did have to also go online and and an e-commerce was part of their transformation strategy but in my opinion I don't think that was necessarily the key aspect to their success. They simply just needed to reinvent that customer experience, that physical experience back in the store. Now of course Waterstones, Barnes and Noble, are all likely to be doing the right things when it comes to to digitising their back office, Um, improving supply chains, distribution, logistics, and and most obviously, e-commerce. But focusing on digital technology alone wasn't the most significant factor in in their survival and, and success. It was all about reinventing the customer experience back on the shop floor. I'm not going to venture into speculation around how the, the bricks and mortar model of the bookstore, is is going to survive post-pandemic. That's out of the scope of this episode. It's been really interesting to explore this today. And, and in the next episode, I'm going to explore an organization that point blank refuses to follow that digital curve. In fact, it purposely stays behind the digital trend. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave feedback. I would love to hear from you. And feel free to recommend the show to your friends and colleagues. And if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button so you're notified once new episodes are released. If you have any questions or any topics that you'd like me to discuss, then feel free to get in touch. All my contact details are available at theitcontractor.blog and I reply back to everybody. I'm Bobby Jagdiv. This is the IT Contractors Podcast. Thank you for listening.